Welcome back to Ducks on the Podcast. We are on episode 24. Yes, yes. We have a special guest here, a med student named Josh. Josh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm a med student, so there's not much to say. I spend most of my days studying because <laughs> I'm in the first two years and that's what we do. Um, other than that, I grew up in Canada, lived a little bit in Hawaii actually, and uh, been here in Michigan for the past seven years. Well, you live a pretty adventurous life. Man. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what year are you in your med school right now? First year. So, okay. that's the year that's marked by studying all the time, most. Okay. So this is a good break. What was your, your pre-med degree? My pre-med was at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I'm actually wearing the shirt right now. Yeah, okay. It's <clears throat> pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so you went, you lived in Hawaii, too? I did, for three years. Oh, what did you do there? My dad was a pastor for like eight years, and then he decided he wanted to pick up and do missions, and so he did missions in Hawaii for three years. So oh, he packed up me and my family. Did you tell me that when we first met? We did, I think I I did not. I don't think I did. I remember hearing something about a pastor. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we, we met um, out of, like, just mere coincidence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember my, my book, my annotations from my book flew out. I actually finished that book, but they flew out, and then I didn't expect anybody to catch up, to catch them, but <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. This yeah. kind of went way out of my reach and just gone. Yeah. It was very serendipitous because I had this like beautiful image of my mind and myself lying down on the hammock outside the library because the weather was beautiful. Yeah, it was. And just like studying. And then I see, you know, Marco, you know, running by and like these pages of notes are like flapping in the wind. I'm like, oh no, I gotta save this guy. You know, procrastinate from studying for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It was really interesting, man. Like, I, I, I could have talked to you for like, like, much longer than that. Oh yeah. But I was I was starving at that point. I needed to go to eat, man. Like I, I only ate a salad that day. Yeah. I, I, I was just like reading it, trying to finish the chapter, you know, and it's just like I got I gotta go eat, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious me. to know the backstory between you guys. What's your origin story? Um. So we uh, we were actually just talking about this. Yeah. Um. So we we work at Cherry Creek a Golf Course. It's it's in Macomb. And uh, we we are dishwashers. Okay. Basically, we work in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're part of the U the U crew, which is like utility crew. Sure. Yeah. And so, we do a lot more than dishes. Yeah. yeah. We, so we kind of do like utility stuff around the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I started working there pretty much about a little over three years ago. Mm-hmm. And Marco started working there, I think maybe two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Two. Okay. And uh, and you know, I met him, and uh, there was a long period of time, about a year, before we actually started like really talking about things like that we really cared about so yeah he hated me when we first started working together interesting I mean, I like, it wasn't like a, a hate but it was kind of just like a, I don't want to work with him yeah like it's like that. oh that's Marco he's kind of he was kind of uh, very like unconscious and just like show up to work and mind like mindlessly like do whatever it was and, like, I followed direction well headphones in always headphones yeah and wasn't very talkative and everything but we I remember one night specifically where we were working pretty late we're cleaning the basement we're cleaning the basement yeah and we just started talking about i don't know what what it was that was the start man yeah we just started talking we're just like man this is pretty interesting i think that night actually we started about we talked about doing a podcast no no way no 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 that was that was later on maybe it was much later that was much later on but yeah we 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 wanted to get together maybe and talk about things but maybe maybe we vaguely mentioned like 
we, this could be a podcast for sure. You know, but yeah. So it was kind of through work that kind of bound us together. Cause he's yeah. a few years older than me. I mean, I I'm I'm gonna graduate high school in a week. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. And I'm second year of college. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like first year of right. high school. Cool. Right. <laughs> I like it's quite a hierarchy. Whole kind of yeah. Whole range here. Yeah. We're all millennials though, right? <laughs> yeah. I we're we're Gen Z. You're Gen Z. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I'm the one who's bad with technology and got geeked out by your this old fucking thing here, dude. It's new to me. It's the so blue microphone. It's cool though. Yeah. It, it's sweet. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. It's very convenient traveling with. I love your origin story. I love the fact that you, you know you guys are dishwashers by day, podcasters by night. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a good one. <laughs> I never even thought about it that way. <laughs> Uh, my question is, what were you listening on the on the headphones? It was always like some music I was listening okay. to, probably some like like uh, post punk Joy Division or New Order music. <laughs> it was like that. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's and then cool. and then at that job, like our bosses, mm-hmm. we had we had uh, three chefs there. We had Chef Matt, Steve, and Chris. Steve is still there. But they would be getting me into like all this folk music, like Bob Dylan. Yeah. And I like Tom Petty Pryor. Okay. So like it was inevitable that I'd get out of this punk phase and go into like this country like, you know, yeah, Johnny Cash stuff. Okay. Yeah. So the radio is always playing at work. So yeah. people are always playing different things and everything. So you learn a lot of different kind of music. Mm-hmm. That's that cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, we got a Google Home like right in the middle of the kitchen. Everyone fights over it. It's a war. um but uh yeah no i mean that's kind of what brought us together here and um you know what so you you used to go to kelvin college and i did before so that was all your undergrad there at kelvin college yeah i'm assuming did you go to so you went to high school in canada high school actually was in new jersey it's very complicated oh wow so it was split between hawaii and new jersey oh yeah okay so my my family lived quite the traveling traveling yeah that's kind of cool though which actually, I guess, kind of lines in with your, your, I guess you both have an interest in the four-hour work week. We do, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of both what you guys are interested in, right? Sort of, yeah, in a way, traveling okay. and, and trying to live uh, vicariously in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we love It's that not even that. vicariously, though, right? That would be, like, actually experientially. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it's kind of cool, though. Um, you know, we, we came with Vicariously, the, just to be clear, it means, like, like say you, you're living an adventure through a book. Sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just to confirm. To live like through something or someone else. Okay. Right. We would actually be. You would uh, actually be right, experiencing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the word vicariously, so I love the fact that you use that. I'll start using it. Oh yeah, I use it all the time. <laughs> you. I mean, yeah. Just meeting you. I mean, we've been talking for maybe ten minutes here. You have pretty good vocabulary. Thanks. So, I don't even know that word. You. The word that you said earlier was like serendipitous. Yeah. Oh, serendipitous. serendipitous. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a great word. Yeah, I've heard it. What does it mean? It means like, um, oh man, it means like. Is it almost like serenade? Kind of like lucky. Lucky. Like, you're just like going through life, and like you, you kind of have this odd thing that comes up, and so I thought our our meeting together was kind of serendipitous, kind of lucky or fortunate. Yeah, that's. Yeah. The, I was yeah, telling Andrew, cool. it's, it's so weird, like. Yeah. Like when I, when we were talking, like I didn't really expect. I I when I, when I mentioned four hour work week, like yeah, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, yeah. I'm like what? I love I, I like listening to his podcast a lot. The oh, Tim Ferriss show. Yeah. You listen to the one with Jordan Peterson on it? Uh yes. Really? Yeah yeah. He's God an damn. interesting guy. Yeah. Jordan Both Peterson. I have mixed feelings about him because yes, you know he's obviously very controversial and 
but he's also very smart too. This is great. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before you go on, this is great. We wait, are. No, wait, we're wait. very pro Jordan wait, wait, Peterson. No, are you? We, we, I'm very interested to hear no. what you say. Uh, say oh, about if, if you're not really all that into him. He's very misunderstood. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I often have a like. I struggle with this because. Yeah. You know, I know I shouldn't. I should with like figures like that, like him, and like sort of mentors. Mm-hmm. You should some somehow like find something that you disagree with. Like, sure. For them and their philosophies, and so all you could be better in a sense, or, yeah, or like sure. not completely, uh, you know, uh, almost uh, how would you say, just uh, blind, yeah, blind, like, like just follow, ideology, like a blind follower, right? Sure, um, but dude, honestly, it's hard for me to pinpoint a big, uh, mm. you know, stance that he has that okay. contradicts my own, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we both find that. But yeah, I mean, he is he is very controversial. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the things he says is kind of uh, it's kind of out there the way he okay. says it. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we, we we do want to hear what, what other people think about him. Okay. You know, if you have mixed feelings about it, dude, like I am more than eager to hear what you have to say. I think my mixed feelings come because I haven't thoroughly investigated him. Like I have not read his books, and I think that would be a good step, like the twelve steps to living. Twelve rules, 12 rules, 12 rules for, for life, life. Yeah, basically. Um, like one of my friends mentioned, she really liked something that he said, and I was like, interesting, okay. Um, I think part of it came from like reading a critique of him and the mm-hmm. dark, uh, the dark web. What is it called? The dark intellectuals, right? The the intellectual dark web is that what you're talking That's about? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is that actually on the dark web? No, it's not. Okay. I think it's just the name that they have. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've used that. Heard that used. Um, where they just poked fun at him. I was like, okay, so there are some people who think he's not the greatest and I probably should learn why <laughs> mm. I have not thoroughly examined it so I think it you know um, it just made me think of something uh, we were talking about the Bible story on the drive here Cain and Abel okay you, you ever heard this story of course so you know God tells Cain everything that you've done is because of your own actions okay that's what Jordan Peterson is telling every one of his fans individual responsibility yeah mm. like you have a responsibility to not be resentful of your parents say mm. because it's your life and it's not like you can yeah. be perfect yeah it's not like they are perfect you know what i mean sure so i guess people hate hearing that you know what i mean because then it puts it all on them they're sure. the burden on them yeah you know maybe maybe that's part of it i don't know yeah uh, a lot of big uh, kind of one of the big ideas that he kind of uh, preaches is like the idea that um you have like you are responsible for yourself, sure. and like you, no one, no, like you shouldn't expect people to help you out of whatever kind of suffering that mm. exists in your own life, and gotcha. kind of you know pick yourself up from your bootstraps, and, and you know not only not just like quit, you know, like block out, bl- uh, block out, you know, bad thoughts and bad emotions and all that stuff, but like but handle it mm. and work through it and walk through it, mm. um, you know, consciously, and sure. so in doing in doing that in his books, he teaches a lot about like. Um, uh, how would you say psychotherapy? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of unpacking, you know, uh, your own emotions. Yeah. And, and walking through life, you know, holding your head high, and, and uh, you know, for a lot of young guys too, that's resonated pretty deeply with them. Yeah, yeah. he cries a lot when uh, when he talks about this. He's like, "There's so many young men. I love hearing this." Mm. We have this impression that we do. <laughs> yeah, because he's got this kind of Kermit voice. Yeah, yeah. And we, I don't know, somehow it kind of just evolved. Into, we just it, it evolved from like from like uh, Jordan Peterson to like Kermit. 
Yeah. And then, like, a really happy, like, King Julian from <laughs> Madagascar. I'm very curious to see what the next iteration becomes. <laughs> yeah. It, it changes. Yeah, actually, you know, it could evolve from this. <laughs> Crap, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, mostly we just use it ironically. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like there's a lot to talk about with the individual responsibility. Like, I think that's yeah. huge, right? Yeah. And I think that's, like, becoming more and more, like, rare. It blows my mind, man. Right, it is. It is. It's. It's rare, but it's. It's also having a comeback. Hmm. Like people are like, I've never heard this before, and then like he'll be like, these aren't new ideas. They're not. These are very old ideas. Interesting. Yeah. Say more about that, because I learned about individual responsibility in psychology in in high school as the internal locus of control and the external locus of control. Have you heard about this? I I've heard those those terms by name. Okay. I don't like. Does it? Correct me if I'm wrong. Does it, does it just mean like, is it like connected to the self, your potential? Pretty, pretty much. Okay. So like people who have an internal locus of control believe that fate is in their hands. People who have an external locus of control think that fate is outside of them. So like good things will come to those who wait is the external locus of control. I mean, that could be interpreted differently, but I would agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Like, uh, like say like you're, you're waiting for something to come down, like a conveyor belt, like you're working as like a maintenance worker. Right. And it's like, you could just go to that and be more effective. You know, use your legs and yeah. walk. Right. You know, you don't need a machine to come to you. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you don't need like a Safari website to load up. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't really need to do that. You can just go for a walk, mm. you know? Sure. And think about like, or, like, get a book or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. actually go and actively look for it. Don't just depend on... Proactivity. This. Yeah. Yeah. The the science behind it, though, was, like, so clear. Like, people who had an internal locus of control were happier. They were more productive. They made more money. Yeah. They were better on SATs. You know, he... Uh, as opposed to people who thought that things were outside them and blamed other people. Like, oh, I had a bad... It, it's the difference between, like, if you take a test and you do poorly... The people with an internal locus of control say, I did not work hard enough. The people with an external locus of control say, boy, that teacher was terrible. See, that's me. I say I don't work hard enough, but Uh I don't work hard enough next time. Okay. (laughs) So it's just like this this, this (laughs) shitty shitty cycle. Like, oh, I did shitty. I'm not going to do anything about it, though. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So you have an internal locus of control, but you're not using it to... Not on tests or anything. Like, not on, like, like essays and stuff like that. Yeah, but just, like, I'm only going to study minimally. You know, like, it's a problem I have. I have the opposite (laughs) problem. I, like, overstudy, so it's good to hear your differing perspective. That there's somebody who is worse of a studier than you? No, just, like, the minimal thought process because I'm the maximal thought process when it comes to that. That's interesting. Would you consider yourself like a type A person? Or a little bit. A little bit? It depends on what it is. Okay. I think that's true of everyone, right? Like we don't fit into neat little boxes right. most of the time. But right. when it comes um, to school probably I'm on the type A side. Okay. Now uh, going back to what you were saying before, um, do you think like whether somebody has an internal or external ex- external locus mm-hmm. that it's like part of the like nature of nurture factors that lead up to their predisposition to think that way. Huh. Do you think they can change the way that they think? I think so, but I think it's hard. Yeah, it's definitely hard. I think about like working out a lot, even though I, I personally don't. You can tell from my body shape, but um, like if you want a six pack ab, 
you can you can make it happen. It's just a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with like changing your mindset. You can make a change. You can have like a six pack abs kind of equivalent in your brain. It's just really challenging. It takes a lot of work. And some people are just gifted with naturally being able to do get a six pack just like yeah yeah like that. yeah. And same thing with your brain. I think some, some people, people just love to do it. Yeah. And like some people, some people they have this. Their conscience tells them to get off their ass and move. Right. And before, before like, when I first started at Cherry Creek, I did not have that. Interesting. And I, I don't know how to articulate how to get it, but I know that I have it now. Huh. And it makes me get out of bed, and it makes me do my homework. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. It makes me stop reading and do my homework, which is a kind of a curse and a blessing. But it's like, it, it's so weird, man. Like, where did this come from? Mm. Maybe... Jordan Peterson, maybe our conversations, I don't know. Well, you know, so... Alan Watts, maybe? We started working together when I first met him. He, uh, like I said, he was kind of unconscious and uh, very motivated by shallow, short-term desires, <laughs> you know, and, and all that stuff. So, but, uh, but at one point, uh, I mean, this was kind of after, I don't know if you want to get into this, specifically what you kind of did... It helped kind of awaken you. Or, ah, yes, yes. Or okay. we, can, we can always cut it out, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't mind talking about okay. it. Okay, yeah, I just didn't know if what, on the podcast. I've actually know. never mentioned this on the podcast. You ever heard of NoFap? Yeah, yeah. The, the, you said no, NoFap or yeah. GoFap? NoFap. Yes, I have heard of that. It's like a it's like a Reddit page or a subreddit. It's like no masturbation. No, no masturbating, no, no porn, porn, no nothing. Yeah. And it's like, like, I did that for like 50 days straight. Okay. Like, and I was in like, absolute bliss like i was also reading the stoics at that time oh, okay so i had that and no fat okay and it was just like like i was living my best year wow. at that point interesting yeah it was it was crazy which stoics were you reading i was reading uh seneca okay um marcus aurelius and i read some ryan holiday too okay yeah but i was watching more videos at that point you know it was i i swear it was like I look back at it and I'm like, I wish I could go back, but like, the more I kind of like go on in life, I'm like, no, right now is where you make it happen. Yes. No like, going back. May- maybe I don't need to go, go back to that in the present, but like, maybe it's like, right, I mean, obviously right now is that I'm living my best life that I can ever live. Mm. You know, like that, those 50 days and that whole year, because you know, it was kind of sporadic throughout the year. It wasn't, a, it was 50 days, like all in one stretch. Sure. And then there were like, you know, like other, I don't want to use the word streak because that, because you know, that's stupid, but habits, like, you know, the, the length of time without, you know, a relapse. Yeah. Oh, mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that I was thinking, I've always thought that that might've been the first kind of, uh, you know, factor to contribute to like, oh, well, if I can just do something change my behavior in one little way mm. and then feel this good about it mm. what else can i change in my life to feel even better about and so that's might have i don't know i've always kind of thought of that being like maybe the gateway to your self-improvement because you know i've always kind of been like sort of motivated towards like improving myself and doing stuff like that doing, building up habits over a long period of time and, but like for you it just kind of hits you suddenly when mm. you're whatever 19 18 years old which is you know, I mean, you're still changing a lot, but... I went nuts for it. Like, I went nuts for self-improvement. People had to be That's like, awesome. dude, you're going nuts. Like, you're not eating 
You're, you're not eating like food that is pleasurable. You're taking cold showers every day. You're doing nice. no fat. The cold showers are incredible. <laughs> but and, and you're you're like you're not vaping. I haven't like vaped since like September. Yeah, he, awesome. we were we were camping, uh-huh. and uh, um, well, he just kind of threw his vape out in the woods. They were giving me like a pep talk. Uh, yeah, we were giving him a pep it. talk, and then and then yeah, he was done with it. Yeah. Wow. Tell me more about your origin story with you know, self-improvement and, and did um, you trigger his, his like, you know, metamorphosis? He, he did I, a little bit. Yeah. Maybe like I, once, once it, after it got started. After NoFap? Yeah. After yeah. it got started, maybe that helped contribute because we bounced ideas off each other on it afterwards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was uh, 12, I, um, when I was 12, I did track, right, for the first time mm-hmm. and I wanted to uh, get to a certain point and yeah. like I was doing the long jump. So I wanted to become really good at jumping, like gotcha. long, long ways, right? And so I had to train a lot for it and improve. And I want—I had these like goals that I had that I wanted to reach. Yeah. And I had like done a little bit of research, like how can I improve in this way mm-hmm. to get to where I want to be? And that kind of just, uh, and, and so this is kind of interesting because when I when I set out this routine, like after school to, to kind of train for this, I didn't have enough time. Mm-hmm. And so I had to cut things out of my schedule. So mm-hmm. what I did was I realized that I was spending like two hours a day watching YouTube mm. and like being or either like playing video games or watching YouTube. I mean, I was, mm. I was 12 and all I was doing was kind of being virtual mm. and uh, I cut it all out. I, I, I did At a, 12. Man. I did a two week uh, like electronic de- uh, detox. Wow. So like if on my phone I deleted uh, YouTube and everything and all this and I just had pretty much like messages and stuff like that. And I didn't mm. really have social media that much at the time. So. That was you know no problem. How do you think to do this at twelve? Well, just because this is just because I you had something bigger in your life. Yeah, right? at twelve, literally, I literally just wanted to jump far. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do because you know I wanted to compete and track and do well and so yeah. that's literally the. the I mean, you had an activity. It. You had an activity. I get that. You but, had a goal. You had a purpose. Right, and and I have a kind of indulgent personality. So like, I either go kind of like, I'm either like, I either do. Like video games like crazy or whatever, or yeah. eat like crazy or do like this yeah. or crazy, or the exact same way. Yeah, yeah, or or like not at all. And so like I kind of just cut out, cut it all out completely. Mm-hmm. And then I realized how much more time that I had to. I mean, it sounds cliche to say, but just like enjoy life more and like do more with myself. And what yeah. was what really got me is though, as I increased, like I never really got to where I wanted to be with jumping, but that didn't matter because like I learned so much from it mm. that uh, I. I, I was able to like look at myself as if I was a video game character, which is what you know mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of think about too, is like maxing out certain stats and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like I I literally would play like Clash of Clans on my phone all day and like yeah. I gotta like figure out some strategy to like increase my gold or my dark elixir or whatever oh, and to, to upgrade my this or that and to become a better like component, yeah, yeah, yeah. better you know uh, better base, build sure. a better base, right and. I took those principles and I'm like, why am I wasting time doing this mm-hmm. when really I could be improving my own self? Yeah. And then a year later, when I was 13, I was diagnosed with EOE, eosinophilic esophagitis, which is... Um, Sorry, I haven't even learned about that, so I, now I'm so curious. <laughs> okay, it's, it's basically like asthma of the esophagus. Okay, gotcha. So eosinophilic reactions due to like yep. foods. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, kind of foodborne uh, triggers that, you mm-hmm. know, do that. And I was able to, you know, we, I was very fortunate in catching it pretty early on because, you know, some people, they find out just by, you know, having impactation mm. and they have to get it taken out and all this. And, you know, I was, I caught it, we caught it very early, mm. um, but I had to cut out uh, dairy from my diet. 
Okay. And doing that like really settled the food kind of thing for me because I used to get home from track or whatever and eat a whole sleeve of Oreos. Okay. <laughs> And even like your Oreos are dairy free. Give me, don't get me wrong, but like still, like I had to like think about my diet and everything. Yeah. So I cut yeah. out, cut out all like uh, you know dairies and a lot of like desserts and sweets yeah. and stuff like that. Okay. So I cut all those out. I, I had to, mm. and uh, and and all that. I kind of considered my diet and everything, and yeah. I started eating better. You know, slowly eating kind of better and better and better, and that that was impactful too in my life, and that kind of showed me it's like. You have to manage certain things in your life, or else in the long run, like eosinophilus abjus is not a degenerative. Uh, it's not. It's, it's it's a very slow degenerative disease. Mm. You know, I, if I had dairy right now, I would not die. Mm -hmm. But and I wouldn't be like hard of breathing or anything sure. like that. It would just be slow built up inflammation in my esophagus. Making and so, uh, like the long term kind of uh, effects of my habits and my daily you know, what I do daily mm -hmm. is kind of something that I started to think about more often. Okay. You know, so what kind of habits do I, well, have, what, what kind of things do I do that impact my life, you know, five years from now? Okay. So that, that, that was the final thing that really kind of set me in motion towards, wow. towards the kind of self-improvement. So. It's so interesting to me because I've heard from a number of people that like an illness is what really triggers them to making drastic change. There's a guy on YouTube called Kevin Jabal, and for him it was like inflammatory bowel disease. Mm. Was it really forced him to become efficient and a really good student? Um, Jordan Peterson, of course, has some sort of um, chronic autoimmune sort right. of thing. Yeah, and I don't know, remember exactly what it was. And he got addicted to uh, benzo, benzodiazepines. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. And I like wrecked his brain. Yeah, and Beyond Order, in the first chapter, or the overture, it talks about all the different countries he went to to get that fixed. He was like in yeah. Russia at one point. Yeah. And like all over the place. Mm. He, was, he wasn't even himself. Yeah. Right. But yeah, yes, him and his daughter do have like an autoimmune disease. And, you know, we've heard from, from both of them that like, you know, they're very first, public about for, what they do. Right. For his daughter, Michaela, she was in like college and she was living as like a typical college student does, right. you know, with a lot of pretty, uh, you know, not great habits, right, and everything. And, and she was just getting destroyed from it. And, you know, eventually she just had to step back and, you know, eventually she got on the, uh, you know, kind of an all meat based diet and mm -hmm. that really helped her out. First she went with vegetables and meat and then she cut out the vegetables and saw so much improvement from that. Yeah. Just meat, salt and water. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I know. I listened to her podcast, uh, Michaela, right? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was definitely interesting because mm -hmm. definitely non-intuitive because meat is not really known in the medical literature to be healthy. No. Or healthy, right. yeah. Right. But what was you, the word you used? Uh, which word? I said healthy and you said... <laughs> I don't remember. You <laughs> said <laughs> just like good. Like, uh. You're just like agreeing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, can you satisfy my nerd curiosity? Because... Sure. It sounds like you're managing um, esophag eosinophilic esophagitis, like with lifestyle changes. Were you on any like medications, like albuterol or omalizumab is the one I'm thinking of? Um, for a while, yeah, like albuterol, sure. Um, for a while, just when I had asthma, because I had asthma beforehand. Okay. And albuterol, like inhaler, for okay. when I, I was diagnosed with asthma when I was nine, but apparently I grew it. I outgrew it. Mm. Um, it was, but it was mainly just because. Like I had kind of the eosinophilic, they found them in my lungs. Yeah. Um, but I mean, eventually, I guess that kind of maybe, maybe spread. I, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. But yeah, eventually kind of, I grew, I grew the asthma, mm -hmm. but then found it in my, um, 
they find in my sockets and everything. But I, for treatment options now, um, I, and since I was 13, mm. I've been taking uh, uh, PPIs. Okay. And that has a surprisingly like uh, a, uh, effective benefit towards uh, treating the eosinophilic reaction hmm. in my esophagus. Um, you know, just even though even though it's from the stomach, sure, still really helps um, in my esophagus. And then lately, I've been taking because they they do tend to be somewhat ineffective over a long period of time, and so I have been taking lately um, a. Pretty much uh, pomacorn, but in a uh, a liquid suspension. Mm, so right. or, or budesonide. Okay, yeah. As you want to so a corticosteroid. Yeah, uh, in a in a just liquid form that I mix with um, like a something to thicken it up, so like syrup. Mm. And uh, I take that and it coats literally coats the esophagus. Yeah. And it does a really good job at um, at it's much more effective actually than the PPI. But that combined with the PPI is what I'm on right now. Gotcha. And I've been doing that for a while. But actually, funny, you asked me about this because um, uh, for, um, you know, Dupexit for, you know, just typical like allergies and all that mm. stuff, and I think asthma too, had, was actually just approved like a few days ago for mm. EOP, which is pretty huge um, because it's been, the trial's been going on for a few years now, but I was never able to get on the trial because I'm under 18. Mm. Um, but I, uh, like I, I haven't talked to any of my doctors yet recently about that, but uh, that was kind of the long-term plan to eventually just trial myself on it and see if it's going to be something to help because that completely or almost completely shuts off the eosinophilic uh, reaction in your yeah. body. Yeah. Um, which would be, I mean, tremendous, uh, and it's, it's had uh, very beneficial uh, outcomes and effectiveness for like at least one third of the patients who have tried it. Hmm. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. That was just that was just recently. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing because I'm in respiratory right now. I'm oh, studying yeah. that right now. Yeah. So asthma, COPD, emphysema. Yeah. Sounds like you have a subtype probably of asthma. So yeah. Like that, I mean, just for me at least, Marco probably less so, but for me that was super interesting to hear and the way you tied together things that I've been learning about. I mean, PowerPoints. not as interested as you, but I mean, that's, it's interesting because it's like, it's this rare disease and the way you handle it too. It's very, uh, like, like you said, self-improvement. And, like, not only does, like, illness, like, cause you to really look at your life, but, like, near-death experience. Like, hmm. like, uh, like anybody who, like, almost gets into a car accident. Like, I listened to an interview once, and George Lucas almost died when he was becoming, like, an engineer or something. His dad wanted me to be an engineer. And he's like, no, I want to go to film school now. Like, after his near-death experience. Hmm. So it's like, without, without, um, without, being so close without a dance with death, there can be no mm -hmm. beautiful life. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's a stoic idea, right? Yeah, that, that was there was actually you ever read Slaughterhouse Five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, yeah that that was in Slaughterhouse. There was something like that in Slaughterhouse Five. Ah. I he lent me his copy and he actually underlined it. I was like, that's a good underline. Oh, <laughs> I'd be curious to know what that quote was. It was like, no good art can be made without a dance with death. That's a. Wow. Yeah, it was incredible. Huh. I, I looked at that. I was thinking about that for like a while after I read that. It was good, man. All I remember with the aliens, the Trafa Megorians or whatever. <laughs> Trafa Megorians? Yeah. Trafa it was something really silly. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Very comical. What a, Very what a brilliant book, man. <laughs> oh, my God. No good art can come without a dance with death. Yeah. 
Huh. I'm going to have to remember that. That is a, a slaughterhouse five. <laughs> I still think about it to this day. I'll just be at work, like, and people be like, why are you laughing? I'll be like, just this, this silly thing. <laughs> like, like when, I don't know if you guys remember, but when, when uh, there, was a, there was a scene in that book when Billy and his wife Valencia had sex, and she's like, I'm going to change for you. I'm going to lose all this weight. <laughs> and, he goes, and he goes, don't do it. <laughs> I love you the way you are. But, and then, then Kirk cuts in. He's like, he's like he, he really didn't. He just knew what it would turn out to, to me because he's seen this a million times. <laughs> like he sees into the future. And he yeah, because he just doesn't <laughs> It's so brilliant, man. I'm going to reread that. Yeah. He's an interesting author. Yeah. Right. I still want to read him more. I think he described writing as like feeling like you're a one-armed man or a no-armed man, like trying to draw with a, a crayon in your mouth or something like that. Because <laughs> he, he always he always views this like suffering, didn't he? Writing maybe, but I just remember that quote about his his writing process. Like apparently it was extremely painful. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he was a man in pain. I mean, he wrote that book and like in the first chapter of that book, it was him going to his old war buddy's house and his wife being like. His friend's wife being like, you know, like, if you write a book about all these fucking John Wayne, Frank, Frank Sinatra war heroes, I'm not going to read it and I'm going to detest it. And he's like, it won't be about that. He's like, I swear. The whole book is about these pathetic yeah. fucking soldiers. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's like, I swear I will not. I swear. Yeah, and so then he wrote kind of a, an anti-war novel. Yeah. Mm. He doesn't really like war. No, I mean, yeah, he experienced kind of crazy uh, experience kind of hell, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially in Dresden and everything. Very lucky to escape uh, with his life and everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, and then he just goes back to America where it's like, now he's dealing with everything and, I mean, nothing can compare to that. I mean, he got so close to death for so long that it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, how can he, how can he not be, how can he not laugh at everything else? Yeah, you know, it's really everybody else's seriousness, seriousness to towards life is just like this. Is what I'm so, like, there is a part in that book where they're. <laughs> I'm sorry. So they were in Dresden at this point. Mm -hmm. This is the final location that they were in in Germany, I think. And Billy Billy Pilgrim didn't really have a uniform. He, they gave him a really shitty coat, and he had this like blue muff and scarf wrapped around his head. Yeah. He, he looked like a fucking clown. like he looked like a clown. And at one point, him, this old teacher, who was a uh, they were all soldiers. Him, this fucking like really pathetic, like really resentful soldier, and the, the teacher like went. We're going to the bathroom. And they opened the door. <laughs> And there's these girls taking a shower, and, and all they see is fucking Billy Pilgrim dressed like a fucking clown. They're all like naked, and they're just like scared. Yeah. They see Billy. They see Billy Pilgrim. This Billy's just like looking at them. He said, he's, like, he's, like, he's like, Billy had never seen a naked woman before. <laughs> Forgot about that part. Yeah. Oh my god, that's fucking Oh, what a great book, man. Yeah, but hey, John. On a, on a different uh, on a different note, um, so you you've lived in many different places mm -hmm. throughout your whole entire life. Mm -hmm. Can you detail kind of like a little timeline of where and like when you kind of <laughs> lived in different places and all that? Sure, I can do and that. And perhaps like why you moved to different. Yeah, you'd have areas. to ask my dad really for the full kind of thought process because uh, he was the 
the catalyst or the person making those changes. Um, let's see. I was born in New York. Um, we were living in New Jersey at the time. Um, I think we lived in New Jersey for about a year, and then my family moved to Israel. My dad was going through seminary school at the time, and so he said, if I'm going to learn Hebrew, I'm going to learn Hebrew with Hebrews. Hebrew, yeah. And so we lived there for a year from, I think... Your dad sounds like a really year. smart guy. Yeah. Because that, that's, that's an interesting He's thing. He's very unorthodox, for sure. Um, so I think that was like one to two years of age, maybe one and a half to two and a half. But apparently my first words were in Hebrew. Um, so I still call my mom Ima, which is Hebrew for mom, and my dad Abba, which is Hebrew for, for dad. That's all I, I know. Apparently I liked motorcycles at the time, so anytime a motorcycle would go by, I'd be like, oh, for no, oh, for no, which is Hebrew for motorcycle. And my parents would like, yes. Yes, son, it's, it's an open <laughs> We don't want you riding one of those things. Yeah, right. <laughs> two and a half. No Ophanoas. Yeah. Um, my first memories come from California. Uh, my dad went to like four different seminaries, and so California was the last one. How old were you when you were in uh, California? I think it was about two, two and a half, three, somewhere about that. So, okay. Well, that's like normal for like first memories. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I, all that's I really remember is we had this morbidly obese uh, neighbor who would come by the window his name was Bruce <laughs> of and, course uh, and he would like put his face in the window and he'd go boo <laughs> and that was his thing that was, as far as I know that's all he did from a three year old perspective <laughs> that was his whole lot in life that was his whole that was his job in life was to go to the window stick his face <laughs> in swoosh it up and say boo <laughs> um, let's see after that I think after that we moved, oh, we actually moved to Michigan. So Grand Rapids, Michigan. From California to Michigan? That was the last, yeah, California to Michigan. So that was actually the last seminary my dad went to was Calvin Calvin Seminary. I lived there for two years. Um, All I really remember is Teletubbies. That was the only time (laughs) my family had had television, and Teletubbies was like, you know, Picasso to me at the time. (laughs) I mean, if if we're wondering about my IQ, we can probably trace it back to that. (laughs) I'm really diminishing my IQ pretty hard. (laughs) Maybe it did that to me, too. I had a fucking, like, like a stack of cassettes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Grand Rapids, Michigan. After that, we moved to Canada. And I definitely have a pretty good memory of everything from there on out. So, kindergarten to grade seven, I lived in Canada. Um, I learned I'm terrible on skates. Um, I liked hockey. We, we did a lot of like uh, road street hockey during the recess. Uh, so, you know, you get out the hockey stick and you'd have like a tennis ball and yeah. you'd set up nets and you'd just go to town. Yeah. Um, we played a lot of sports. That was kind of the, the big thing for us. So I think it's still very consistent with Canadians. I'm not sure if it's true of everyone in Canada. I'm sure they're playing hockey in the street all the time. Man. Yeah. But I, I know that going back, I was so impressed because we were out of college at that point, and they were still playing sports. Like, there's organized sports for people outside of college, at least for them. Adults, like young adults. Adults. And I was like, that is a big difference between Canada and America, where, like, they're still playing sports, even when they're older. You know, like, like, be like high schoolers? Fit. High schoolers, you mean? High school. Well, like, out of college, yeah. like, when I went back. Oh, out of college. I was like, dude, you're still playing soccer every you know, three or four nights a week. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, was Andrew like, was talking about on one podcast, 
because maybe maybe that could be in America. Mm. Because he was talking about one podcast in the in the sixties. Kennedy was trying to put together a program. Yeah. And he had his eyes set on one school as like the model school. Okay. And High school uh, physical education. Yeah. Okay. It's called yeah. the La Sierra program. It was called what? The La Sierra program. Or La, La Sierra, Sierra High School, right? Yeah, high school. Uh, okay. Physical okay. fitness program. So it's, yeah. it's, an excre- it's a really interesting, uh, like, extremely advanced form of PE mm. that these kids uh, were very successful with. And, based uh, in the Greeks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was based on... Um, Hopefully well, not Sparta. I think it was <laughs> Sparta. Well, I mean, like, oh. <laughs> Kennedy was influenced by the, the classics, and so, like, heavily. And so, you know, he knew that the Greeks would study at the Agogi, and they would, they would yeah. study physically and mentally at the yes. same time. Yes, And, uh, I mean, so that was kind of his, his idea of combining physical education with, you know, the rest of, you know, education. Yeah. And creating, you know, without, without, you know, without a strong body, you can't really have a strong mind. Right. And so he wanted, you know, the average American to be, you know, very fit, mm. you know, fit, like mm-hmm. a, like the way that, I mean, honestly, a human probably should be. Right. And, uh, you know, and so he, he, he said that, you know, the way that we do this is just by educating through the schools and in high school. So they, they had one school be the poster child. And, uh, I mean, these, these kids were extremely fit and they had, uh, I mean, you, you should, it, the visuals on like some of the videos on YouTube, you more uh, justice than me just describing it. I mean, some of the sure. things that they do is absolutely insane. Mm. And uh, the standards that they had for like their, the physical fitness standards are, um, they're very advanced. I mean, mm. even now, like you cannot compare that program with today's physical education. Mm. They're, they're just not the same. Okay. Um, but like, rope climbing and stuff like they would do like human flags. You know what that is? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd never done that before. That sounds interesting. Man. Right. My dad can do that, and it's like. It's like you imagine like like what they were put up against, like so to speak, in like the eighties in high school. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a lot better than now, you know, because nobody really even tries in in team sports. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. When I went, when I was in high school, mm. right? Nobody yeah. gives a damn. Mm-hmm. I mean, comparing like comparing both of the programs like today and back then, it's, it, I could go on for for three hours talking about how how much. Uh, how much it's changed mm. but um, you know mainly though it's uh, uh, I mean to go back to what you were talking about and what also you were talking about is for like uh, for organized sports after like after you know you get out of school like as an adult you know, I've, I think here in the states it's been it's pretty limited as yeah. far as where you can go I mean I know I know some people can play hockey they do have adult recreational so some leagues like Hmm. Some softball, some hockey, yeah, stuff like that. Some basketball, yeah. But I mean, they have a ton of them. There's a, there's a, a you know where PTC is by uh, the Crowground Twenty Three. Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of uh, adult leagues that play soccer there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's My uncle still plays soccer, and he's closing in on his fifties. Hmm. But I'd say he's probably the exception, not the rule, right? Right. I mean, he is pretty athletic. He's yeah. Perhaps part of the twenty percent that are, you know. Yeah, physically active, and the, mm, the rest are just kind of yeah not partaking in those sports. I mm. feel like the percentage is higher in Canada. I'm oh, it's probably wrong. flipped in Canada. Yeah, right. It's probably eighty percent of young yeah. adults do you know activities like that, whether it's even bowling or doing or something like that. Go out and I mean, even think Europe, dude. Like, like there's always kids playing in the street. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like my family comes from Italy, and when they would come here, uh, stay at my grandpa's house. 
every single day that I'd go over there, or every day that, you know, every day they'd just be playing soccer in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And it got so, like, it felt so uncommon and, like, alien mm-hmm. that at one point we were, we were doing that, like, in the street, mm-hmm. and a police officer came and said, what are you guys doing? You're like, we weren't supposed to be doing really? it. Yeah. yeah, we were sitting like on the sidewalk part of a part of the like on the so here's where the house is and then the sidewalk and here's the grass that we own. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there too, the watching. Boulevard. Yeah, I guess the boulevard, watching everybody play. You know, like sitting down and what? What are you guys doing here? Mm-hmm. It's like we live here. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's very interesting, like subdivisions and kids and stuff like that nowadays. It's like, especially with kids, it's like now, you know, I mean, sort of, there used to be a time when I was very, very young, before everyone kind of got electronics, where, where I was very young, like I said, where, like, you kind of know whose house everybody was at, just by how many bikes were kind of there. Huh. And, uh, I don't know, it's kind of changed. I don't see that anymore right. nowadays, like, with kids around the neighborhood. Right. You know, especially with electronics and xbox and stuff like that it seems kids are more preoccupied that's an interesting point all the bikes all the bikes right it's like where are we where are we going to be in you know 15 20 years like uh, especially as far as that goes but i mean you know in, in in some regard though it does seem like there's been more of a conscious effort towards getting more fit yeah um i don't know it seems uh they're kind of there's two aspects kind of like how so how we were talking earlier how some people are pushing saying that you know, your suffering is based on other people and other right. organizations, and there's also a little bit of a push for, you know, self-responsibility. Sure. What do you guys do to stay fit? Because I know my, my thing is I just do three pull-ups a day, and I take a walk, and that's about all I... All hey, I that's got. something right no, there. No, no, that's better. That's, that's better than that's absolutely good. nothing, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, 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 if you're doing that every single day, there Almost. you go. <laughs> Almost every single day. I walk for sure for my mental health, but... Okay. Um, but it is kind of embarrassing, because I was a big sports person in high school and I was very fit and I used to run quite a bit and like now now I like walk up the hill and or if I try running up the hill I gotta stop after a little bit so it's embarrassing to know where I was and where I am now I, mm-hmm. I guess yeah. yeah you don't you don't want to be attached to that past too much kind of like how I was like mm-hmm. like oh I was so stoic yeah in that year and it's like you know you can just you can you can bring that back you just have to so there's this, there's this philosopher that I like, named Alan Watts, and he says, you can't pull yourself up from your own bootstrap, because if you try to do that, mm-hmm. you're just going to stop doing it, because you'll be forcing yourself to do it. Hmm. You'll get bored and lose the habit. Mm-hmm. Somehow you have to find a way to not make be, yourself. Be pulled toward it? Like, be driven. Yes. Be Instead driven. of, like, pushing yourself, be pulled toward right. it. Right. Like, yeah. have, like, like a, an emotional kind of, like, love to do self-improvement. Yeah. I've never thought about it that way. Having a pull towards something like that, as opposed to like just inwardly right. pushing mm-hmm. yourself. Because like the dirt, like Jordan Peterson always says this: like, how do you know what you're interested? In? How how do you know why you're interested? In what you're interested in? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know? Like, do you, why are you interested in uh, books? You're, yeah, you are interested in books. Why why do you think you're interested in books? Um, that's a good question. What what pulled you toward like uh, like psychological kind of thriller? Psychological thriller or fantasy or what? Like sure. You know. Hmm. To me, I feel like it's kind of like maybe it's either I'm thinking of it in two ways, and, and they're completely opposite. One is like it's a nice escape from life, so it's an escape from like drudgery, daily studying, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. 
Or on the other hand, it's like more of a concentrated version of life where you get in like two hours, you know, you get to see, you know, it's read like, about I mean, I don't need to be like annoying. And fight and stuff. Yeah, see, that, that's kind of what I want to get to. I don't want to be like an annoying kid, but like that's a very general kind of like reason why you like the books. It's like, why do you like to escape to dragons? Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, why, like, and then I could ask another question. It's like, sure. where does it go? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why. Like, I was so fascinated by, like, I don't know, like, Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars. I mean, I've been watching it since I was a kid. But, like, you know, before that, I watched, like, Peter Pan or Pinocchio. Sure. And it's, like, recently I, I've figured out that, like, Pinocchio mm-hmm. and those Disney movies yeah. are, like, perfect for kids. They tell you everything you need to know and all, all that you know how to be. Like, Pinocchio is, like, the story of Jesus Christ. Huh. So, like, you know, he learns... Like, he dies and he's reborn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because he saved his father. He does the ultimate kind of thing. So it's like, like, and I could go further back from that, but it's like, I don't know where to go from there. Like, mm-hmm. why do I like Star Wars? Well, Star Wars is the same exact story as Pinocchio. Yeah. But it's like, that's all I can say. Sure. Is because it was part of my childhood. Yeah. We're not, kind of, we're not really, like, psychology is only, like, 100 years old. Sure. I, how the hell do I know what, 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 why I like the things that I like? I feel like it just goes back to story and like the empower and importance of story. Like I feel like human beings to a certain extent are nourished on some sort of story. And we I tell ourselves a story all the time, right? Yeah. Even when we're sleeping, we're like running stories through our brain. Like mm-hmm. just this visual kind of virtual reality right. that dates back to like caveman days. I mean, like you think about like cavemen people putting art up on the walls. Like it's just so primal and ancient this instinct we have towards story that maybe maybe that's the deeper reason that draws me towards reading books you know for fun sure yeah no and then with stories and it's like you know as humans like we 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 kind of outsource our sanity towards other people and so <laughs> I'll say more about that because that's a very provocative or thought thought provoking comment yeah, well, you know, I mean, you, you have to kind of build off other people and everything. And I mean, okay. you, we can see, you know, I mean, if you look at like... We outsource our sanity from other people, is what you said? We outsource our sanity towards to, other, to people. other people. So like, you know, I mean, like, for example, like, look at like a dictator and it's like, he's got like, yes men surrounded by him completely. And it's sure. like, he turns into an evil man. Sure. Because no one's willing to really counter any of his thoughts and his, you know, he's testing the waters to see what he can get away with. Yeah. Yeah. No one. No one's like not letting. No one's stopping him from, uh, you know, doing that. You see the same thing with like parents who you know let let their kids do anything. Right. Their, their children grow up to be quite, uh, quite you know pretty. Uh, how do you say? Angry, resentful. Angry, resentful. They have a lot of problems, right? Problematic sure. children, right? Uh, because their their parents aren't kind of containing their. They're not really giving a good display of what their sanity might look like. Mm-hmm. So, but within like for, for us, we kind of bounce ideas off each other, and we create. Yeah, I mean, if I, I've gone the longest I've gone without talking to someone is about uh, like two or three days, mm-hmm. and that was when I was like backpacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I was I was really really hungry to talk to somebody later on. Right. You know, I mean, even if it was someone I didn't know, I was very eager to talk to a complete stranger. Yeah. Um, but that's because like you kind of. If you're alone by yourself, I and mean, this is kind of like Raskolnikov in Crime and Punishment. Okay. Did you read that book? I did read it. I totally. I don't it. remember Raskolnikov though. Really? Raskolnikov? The main character? Oh. Oh, Risk. Yes. Raskolnikov. I, I heard. I. I'm sorry. I might have. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know how he just he goes in his head 
constantly. He's he's first like the you know in the beginning of the book is he's alone by himself and mm-hmm. pretty much alone in St. Petersburg. Yep. He's going around in his head. He lives in this little this room. This is this room is probably bigger than his his uh, yeah, yeah. where he lives. Yeah. And uh, you know he just keeps going around and around in his head. Yeah. Eventually, I mean, he becomes so insane that he figures out a way. I mean, he's he's intelligent. Prime. Right. Yeah. yeah, he f- figures out a way to justify his his, his intellect, his his uh, you know desire to kill somebody. Right. right. Take a look at this. This is him looking out at the world with his resentment. <laughs> and so that, that's very what, interesting. Right. It's it's what happens when you don't have anybody to outsource, like to, to talk to about things and build off of you know ideas with, and right. and you know people keep you in check. You know, mm. I mean. Especially psychological deviants, you know, like people who generally test the waters with things. Yeah. I mean, if they're not kept in check, they can go really far out. Right. And do pretty insane things, right? Right. Um, but like st- how the stories get involved with it, it's like, well, we, when you're alone and you read a story, let's take Slaughterhouse Five for example. It's like you can you resonate, you you know you laugh and you resonate. That's some of the things that are in the book. Sure. And it's like, you're, you know this guy is experiencing certain feelings that you feel as well. Sure. So it's almost like you're talking to somebody in a way, you're yeah. sharing these ideas and feelings. I mean, really yeah. talking is just sharing feelings. Right. And, and sometimes knowledge too about certain things, but, you know, feelings about, you know, the way, how, feelings about life, you know, insights about life. Mm-hmm. So stories, it's like, if you can read by yourself a story about life, that can kind of, it, sort of connects you back again with, with other people, mm, yeah. um, I, I think, in a way. Um, Interesting. So you, you would argue that it's, it's not just the story part that's important, it's actually the like, connection to other human beings that's at the root of Right, especially uh, the archetypes, too. Yeah. So in these archetypes that resonate with people um, you know, mm-hmm. all over, I mean, if you look in... You Here you have the, the, uh, the unintegrated shadow. Right. Right. Well, somebody who is not uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think I don't know. Maybe. Perhaps. Um, and uh, well, I mean, you just take for example, like the hero's journey. It's like somebody who who has this potential has so much potential. Or for for example, like you look at Pinocchio, who's, who's someone who's childish, mm-hmm. who turns into a hero at the end. Right. A mature hero. A, a real, real boy. boy. Right. Yeah. So like, trans- it's incredible. Man. It's like self transformation. Right? Yeah. I watch this movie now, and I can't take my eyes off it. The one from the forties. Yeah. You know that cartoon. Yeah. And like it's, it's just amazing because like there's one scene I, I want to talk about right now. It's, it's when, what's his name? The fox. The fox is like telling him he's like he's like you have this 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 and this and this and this this like he's he's diagnosing him. he's like you have allergies, my boy. So you need to go to Paradise Island. So he's telling him that he doesn't need to be responsible, mm-hmm. right? And he's like selling him this wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. And it's the same idea that Palpatine sells Anakin in mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Like you don't need to be. You can just. You can just go right into absolute pleasure. Hmm. You don't. You don't well, need to be unlimited power. Yeah, unlimited power. Okay. Thank you. And uh, it's it's a brilliant idea. And and. This is actually my uh, one of my Gmail profiles, and it it serves as a representation of like, don't be like that. You know, I'm like, not sure be... that's how other people interpret it. Just, just FYI, <laughs> I'm like somebody. That's from that guy. It's just like, don't be okay. Okay. 
I think other people might be like, oh, Marco. I guess <laughs> I gotta change that. that. Is, that <laughs> is that what you feel on the inside? <laughs> no, I, I thought you were this happy, smiling guy, but boy, your Gmail profile really makes me rethink yeah. that. <laughs> I gotta change it, I guess. Um, but yeah, you know, even stories orally told. It's like, you know, you hear like a story, let's say you're a soldier in like the Middle Ages in, in, in England, and you hear this guy, uh, you know, Sir William Wallace, who's coming down south to completely destroy your kingdom. Mm. And it's like, oh, he stands, whatever, six foot seven, he's indestructible, he, you know, he's a leader of all his men and everything, and it's like, oh my God, I, I don't really want to go against him or, or something like that. Or, mm. or, yeah, conversely, if you're, if you are like a Scot and you hear about this guy, Sir William Wallace, and he's coming to your, to your village to kind of get you to gain your support and everything, it's like, you hear about him, so you want to be him, you want to mm. learn about him. Even though he that's not he's not six seven and they, you know he doesn't kill a hundred men with one swing of the sword or whatever, right. yeah. it still kind of inspires you to to be in a way kind of like that in, in the heroes. Mm -hmm. Once I was watching The Dark Knight and I was like, I haven't watched it in like two years at that point and I was like, this is so good. I got an hour into it. I was like, what am I doing here? Like this is a great movie, but what am I doing here? Like, and then I just went for a run for like thirty minutes. And I didn't even want to. I didn't even want to come home. I was just like, "This, this is like, be a hero. Don't watch the. Don't always watch the heroes. You know what I mean?" Sure. It's yeah. it's, it's something that has taken me by storm, especially in the four hour work week, man. Like, remember we were talking about action by the hammocks. Yeah, yeah. And like how important it is to like be actionable. Like, I, I feel so like empowered right now, that just because like you know like learning Italian and like. Like, I'm not just reading just for pleasure anymore. Yeah. It's like, but it is for pleasure, though. It's, it's for the pleasure of knowing that I'm putting this stuff into action. Yeah. And it's cool. It feels so much better than just, like, watching Batman and just being like, yeah, it was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than that. It's like, it's to get you out there and be like that, to do things that are unconventional. That's to cool. build a company and be a superhero. What's your company going to be about? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> that's my big thing. With I've heard that that's... Um, I was talking on the plane um, this weekend to someone who's like a middle school counselor. And I asked her, like, you know, what is the most common thing people want to be nowadays? Um, and doctor, of course, is still up there, along with lawyer and all the standard things that you would think of. In middle school? In middle school. Um, but apparently YouTuber is now on the list. And entrepreneur... Maybe Fortnite, I don't know. Twitch streamer. Well, yeah, yeah entrepreneur is increasing. Yeah, but the problem is, is you have to like have something to offer the world, mm -hmm. for the world to offer something back. Like, yeah. my dad is an entrepreneur, right? He, he has his own business, and the thing he talks about all the time was, well, I, a he talks about how hard running like the the beginning is, especially like I think ninety nine percent of businesses fail in the first. Year. And they say you only make profits three to five years in. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I mean, I heard that was an average. Okay. Uh, and then the other thing he talks about is like, you have to offer something valuable. You have to have a service right. that you're able to perform that's better, that serves people, and that they're willing to pay money for. Mm -hmm. um, and the better that you, you know, can serve people, the right. more money you're going to, to make. Which yeah. successful. So to me, like, it's weird that people have this identity around being an entrepreneur when the entrepreneurs that I know don't have that identity. They're just like, you know, my, my identity is being a shop owner or 
something specific, right? Right. It's so general and nebulous and vague, but like the people who I know who are actually running businesses are so like it's specific and concrete and. So I guess what you could say is like somebody's like. Oh, well, what are you? And they'd be like, oh, I'm uh, an aspiring entrepreneur. Yeah. And it's like somebody somebody more grounded would say, like, I'm an aspiring shopkeeper. Sure. And then somebody who's really... Yeah, yeah. What's that? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. Okay, but like the... not Maybe the most fundamental you can go is be like, I'm an aspiring, high-functioning individual. Like Pinocchio. Like, okay. like a, a, a real boy. <laughs> yeah, a real boy. Like, like, do something, do something that is worth it. You know, like, and it may be opening a business. I know it sounds, it's really easy to laugh at it, but it's like, it's, it's makes sense to me that way. Like, I want to be a good person. Sure. I'm going to provide a service to the world. Yeah. Pinocchio provided a service to his father. Yeah. Right. And perhaps the world by defeating Monstro. Hmm. Because he was a pretty... He's a monster on the world, right? Uh, I completely understand what you're saying. When you say like, "Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur," and you start looking towards like ideas to like business ideas, right? right? Kind of random general business ideas that you want to perhaps expand into. You might not have a lot of competence in that field, yeah. whatever it is you're you're doing. Like for example, if if you're interested in doing uh, like selling, uh, well, let's say you want to get into the printing business. Okay, so printing pamphlets, which is kind of like dying business because, hmm. you know, print everything's yeah. online. Computer. But let's say you wanted to get into it, and uh, you had like no, no experience whatsoever with printing. Right. It's like, what what makes you better than the people that are already in printing and doing sure. that kind of thing? Sure. You know, I mean, people like start businesses from from kind of doing what they've already done, and then realizing they can help out other people by doing it. True. To some extent, although you know, you also see sometimes. Uh, in, in the four hour work week, like, um, he, 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 he encourages people to find something that they are competent in. And mm. even if that's, you know, something that is not tangible, that they might be able to sell it and profit off of it in YouTube for, right. for some people to be interested in. Yeah. But for some people, it's like, for kids, sometimes you see like, it's an extremely like saturated market where it's like Fortnite. Every kid wants to do Fortnite. Mm. It's just like just because you're interested in that, yeah. you might be have some somewhat competence. It's like sure, that might not be uh, something feasible. Yeah, have you guys read um, "So Good They Can't Ignore You" by Cal Newport? I know Cal Newport is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. He to me he is like the real deal when it comes to productivity, um, valuable ideas, um, because he lives it. Like he is. A computer professor scientist, so he has a real job, um, and he writes like a couple books every two or three years that are very successful, um, and he publishes computer science papers like at a very high rate, and he has a blog and he has a podcast as well, and they're all doing fairly he's well. Juggling everything, he's the juggling, and he has a wife and kids too. So like to me, he is the real deal when it comes to productivity, and like I listen to his advice and I have found it very valuable but he's written a book called so good they can't ignore you and the main like thesis of it is that following your passion is terrible advice like everyone's been told you know just do your passion whatever i heard that too right but then he's like if you look at like case studies of people who actually follow their passion it it doesn't work out like you could be very i could be very passionate about fantasy books i'm never going to make money reading fantasy books 
as, as a lifestyle. And so he said, in order, instead of following your passion, you need to develop skills that you can offer people. And skills are actually the superpower towards building the life that you want. Because if you are able to create something or develop skills that are so rare and valuable um, that the world will kind of pay you anything that you know you want mm-hmm. in order to get that. Fair enough. Yeah, no, and, and that, you know, I, I recently heard, um, oh man, what's the name, what's the guy, the name of the guy on the uh, Shark Tank? Hmm. Uh, I forget his name. There were a couple guys. But anyway, uh, what he said was, you know, if you would have asked me like 10 years ago, what was the, like, what would be the best career option to go into if you wanted to, you know, have a decent workload and make, you know, a good amount of money? Hmm. And he would have said, engineer, 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 engineer. Hmm. And, uh, but recently he was saying that he'd say now that, you know, because after COVID, he said that he would recommend people to develop a skill set, particularly in like, you know, uh, like, like creative production, like Mm -hmm. sort of like online production. So like, whether that's video, Mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, uh, website creation, whether that's, uh, computer science and, Mm -hmm. and forming like programs that make that, you know, let websites run and all that stuff and right. doing, uh, you know, anything like that, making videos, making cool animations, graphic design, anything like that, that people really want to see because that makes their, you know, business stand out or their whatever stand out. Sure. It's like that, that skill, you know, whatever it is, you know, they'll pay so much more for it. Right. Um, and, you know, versus just, you know, a salaried engineer that, you know, there's a dime a dozen engineers, right? Mm. Um, but like an artist sort of, being able to create something special in that way, using their skills, yeah, is uh, is necessary. Is an actual route to follow instead of something, you know, vague like follow your passion. Right. Yeah. That's what the the middle school counselor told me too, because I asked like, what do you tell these people? Like, you don't want to crush their dreams if they want to be a Twitch streamer or whatever you said. Um, and she's like, the advice that I give them is like start figuring out ways to like figure out what the skills are involved, like. Figure out how to stream video. Figure out how to edit video. Figure out how to edit audio. And then get really good at that. Mm-hmm. And so even if you don't make it as a Twitch streamer, you have these skills that you can then apply to video oh, editing. Yeah, yeah video know, editing. Podcast. Filmography. Podcast editing, sure. You ever heard of Captain Sinbad? Um, from the he's a, Tales of Arabian Nights? I think that's where he got the name, but he's a YouTuber. Oh, okay. Sinbad, he's a... He does a lot of self-improvement stuff. Okay. And he, he does a lot more than YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it's like we could use him as, a, as an example. Like cinematography, mm-hmm. he's trying to become an actor. Interesting. And, yeah. And he's, he's like this like this kind of, he's like this no-fap guy. So he's well into habits mm-hmm. and developing his habits. Mm-hmm. So if these, if these kids could start reading books, because like that's what Jordan Peterson says, read while you can. Because you're not going to be able to when you're working and you have kids. I disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, maybe, it just depends, right? Yeah. Why do you disagree? Um, I mean, I read a lot, and I probably shouldn't read a lot. Like, med school is, you know, my job, full-time job, but I still read way too much. <laughs> yeah, my, my ex was in med school, and uh, it nearly killed her. So, yeah. I mean, I have some vague ideas of how bad it can be. It's a lot of work, yeah. Yeah. I guess it just depends on how much you, you value what it is you're reading. I mean, like, if it's something that's as important to you, you know, as a, 
as it sounds, it's like then then do it. Like if it's more important than, uh, you know, for example, uh, grocery shopping, then you can just order your groceries online, have somebody <laughs> bring them to you, and then that time you can right. just spend reading whatever, right. thirty minutes a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you read twenty pages a day, uh, my somebody helped me a book recently. You know that that book I was reading, my boss. Yeah. And uh, I said. I have this trip at the end of the month. He gave it to me at the beginning of the month. Or he gave it to me like May 8th. I'm like, if I read 20 pages every day, it'll be done. It'll be done before. And I finished yeah. it like yesterday. Yeah. So it's like, like I didn't want to you know, take it with me. Huh. It's not my book. But, that, you know, that's actually a great point. Um, it's something I struggle with because I, like, I think reading every day. Earlier, no, I'm just like a binge human being. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, if I'm going to read a book, I'm going to read a book. And it's all I'm going to do until it's like two in the morning, three, and then it's done. If I'm going to watch a Netflix series, I'm going to watch it until that series is done. It doesn't, you know, I'm not very good at the, like, because I think there's so much value to reading 50 pages a day and then yeah. done at the end of the month. It depends on the book, though. Like, if you're reading, like, 50 pages of, like, Dostoevsky, that's a lot to, True. you know, absorb. True. But if it's, like... Harry Potter, uh-huh. you know, I'll read like 50 pages, no problem. Sure. You know, it's so amazing. Like, well, it's easy to read. Yeah, and it's just like the example I just given with the, the, page, the page count, you know, I mean, it could be anything. I mean, if it's like... Yeah, it's, that's what I'm getting to. Right, and if it's uh, like informational-based, more like, or pleasure-based, right? sure. kind of difference though between that and it's like, well, like, you know, if you're reading like a textbook, like, you mm-hmm. might think like, okay, like, I'm going to get through this chapter, you know, by the end of tomorrow night or right. like I'm going to get through this whole section by the end of tonight or whatever. Setting a schedule. Setting a schedule with that. But like I often find like I like doing that with like real um, like non-fiction books like mm-hmm. maybe like uh, like information based books but like sometimes like with Dostoevsky that I'm reading I'm reading Crime and Punishment right now. I'm not, I'm okay. not, I just finished part three today and like I honestly just like reading like like you said just reading at my own pleasure just going through it without even pacing myself. Yeah. Um, and you know I used to do the thing where I did kind of say, like, I want to finish this in a week. I'm going to divide it by seven. Yeah. At one point, he was reading, like, two pages every hour. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. I told myself, two pages every hour, at least. Huh. And I was just, like, burning through these books, though. But First few like, days, he was, like, 100 pages in. How much should I, like, how much am I really absorbing You're right. out of it? Like, you can do it, but, like, how much are you really taking away? Right. I feel like you would be, though, because throughout those hours, you're whatever you're doing, you're thinking about what you just read, right? And yeah, pages. Yeah, like, yeah, like when I was reading Dust, when I started Crime and Punishment, I had a lot of time on my hands because we mm-hmm. were just on break, so I did do that, and I like the whole kind of day was thinking about Crime mm-hmm. and Punishment. I made a lot of progress on. Like now, it's like I'm going to school and I got work and I got everything, so it's like my my time's more sectioned out. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's all, you know, situational based. I guess. Yeah, so, that's true. Uh, whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. The seasonal situation. approach. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of beneficial. Yeah. But uh, but with with physical as uh, like physical fitness like habits though like what you do like three pull-ups a day, and it's very good. It's so weak sauce though. No, at work we have the we have the elevator uh, kind of ledge and we do pull-ups like like six nine a day. Yeah. I don't know how much you do, but I do like three or four, and that's it. Yeah. But but like doing that every time like. On a schedule, you know, like, you know, my work schedule is like five days a week. Mm. It's like every day I'm there, I do like six pull-ups. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, like, just kind of turn your work into a place of multitasks. Sure. Because you're there for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, I, you know, if I'm working last, 
last time I worked, I think it was Saturday, Sunday, excuse me, it was uh, like an eight hour shift and I set a timer on my watch. Every 15 minutes, I'm gonna do at least like one pull up on the, on the, on the elevator. Wow. So throughout the day, I just kind of go down and do it and you know, I felt good and gave my, bracket, my back a break. You know, you're kind of like hunched over a little bit sure. at the sink doing sure. whatever and then afterward you're kind of up and it makes you, I, my back always cracks when I do it. It feels really good. <laughs> but like it's just a way to kind of keep, uh, I don't know why, but for some reason I just, I really feel energized uh, after my shift mm -hmm. by doing that. Like, I, you know, typically you would assume that you would, you feel tired after working shifts like that. But the goal, honestly, now is just to feel more energized afterward than I did before. Interesting. And by doing that, like, I'm like really testing my body by yeah, doing yeah. some pull-ups and, uh, and even some push-ups as well. That's and, uh, yeah. Just to do that, and I feel, honestly, sometimes I'm more energized leaving work than I do before. Huh, that's awesome. Um, I always feel more energized leaving work, even if it's, like, 2 in the morning. Sometimes, sometimes we work late. Uh... Something I've realized is that if you work harder and like work smarter, instead of just being like complaining and being like, oh, I'm just going to save my energy throughout the day, right. you'll get more energized if you're yeah. doing like, you know, the opposite, do, like doing more work. Yeah. It's so weird how that works. Yeah. I always thought like you get out in many scenarios, you get out what you put in. Like the more you engage with something, the more you engage with Dostoevsky or Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, the more you get out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've gotten so much out of this book, dude. Holy shit. I owe so much to the last year of my life, man. That's awesome. Like, I, I can't believe how great this book has, has taught me how to live. Like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, especially the first half of it. The, um, the first two chapters. Yeah, I mean that's all I've read so far. Right, right. You gotta call it like two, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever you want to get out of here, we're, we're getting so much time. Like I, I thought this we were talking for like three hours, but I look <laughs> at my phone and it's like. Let's see, what we got we got maybe like uh, hour and thirteen there. We yeah. can we can we can cut whatever. Um, yeah, it whatever doesn't works. matter to me. Uh, we usually sometimes do like one hour podcasts, but yeah. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, but. Um, Sometimes we get it up to two. Sometimes, or sometimes on Friday nights, we'll just hang out. We'll do like three hour, three and a half hour ones. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love that. My, my dad always said, be a creator, not a consumer. Yeah. So I love the fact that you guys just, you know, set a recording. And I used to um, have a group of guys in Grand Rapids where I lived before. And on Wednesdays, we do Whiskey and Wisdom on Wednesdays. Whiskey and Wisdom? Yeah. Or, or we call it Books and Beer and the Bible at Brad's. Um, and we were just, it was just a group of guys, very similar to this, a couple more usually, and we drink beer on Wednesdays <laughs> of all nights. I mean, it's Grand Rapids, it's Beer City, right? Um, but yeah, I always thought like, man, we should have just recorded this. Yeah, this, imagine if you like recorded all those conversations. I mean, we, we had there, I, I personally thought it was so interesting conversation. We were talking about books that we had just read. So it wasn't just like us saying random things. It was like tailored to the book yeah. and what we've been reading and what we each got out of it. Um, but we never, we never ever set up a, we never ever set up a recording. And, and I think even now, even for my own personal benefit, it would have been cool to like go back sure. and just take a walk and like listen to stuff that, you know, Brad had said in the past or, or Mike, you know, it would have been so cool. So I love the fact that you guys have set up this um, snow blue. Snowball. Snowball. Yeah. Snowball. It's the blue is the color. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, we, I mean, I, I've said in the past a million times that, you know, I really don't do this for the, the audience, mm -hmm. I mean, our Spotify yeah. audience, I really don't. I mean, we don't really have a fair following anyway, but, <laughs> you know, it's, it's mostly just to record our conversations because we, you know, at work, we'd have these really pretty in-depth conversations that yeah. needed to be, you know, recorded. And I'd say about, you know, 80% of why we do this is, why I do this is just for the conversation. That's really interesting. With everybody, you know, and then 20% is kind of for the audience too. We like to record it, put the effort mm -hmm. into, you know, edit and record the podcast. And did you realize this earlier? You said, you, I wrote it down because it was so interesting. You said entrepreneurs go into something they are good at and then you added on to it. And it was, um, to, and they go at it for themselves and then they provide the service. So, so right now, we know that, that like we're interested in these conversations and then we're just, and then I'm just like, let's do a podcast and me and him have different motivations sure. for the podcast. Like I, I want to like get these thoughts out there and at the same time record them because these aren't to be forgotten, but you're all in on the, let's not forget these. You know what I mean? Like, let's not forget this. Like and why that, we started. And yeah. I guess that is like the mindset of an entrepreneur, right? Like, I have a skill, and I want to I want to preserve it of value, and then eventually it'll turn into here you go world. Perhaps maybe yeah, um, and that's any, any you know with like anyone who's like in particular like entertainment industry, like singers like or uh, or, or writers. I mean, mm -hmm. Monica had this problem where he blew up, and then he's like, well, how do I go back to like writing, you know, with very little and all. You know, mm. how, do you, how does the audience impact? I mean, comedians, this happens to comedians all the time, mm. where like they're desperately, desperately trying to be funny, and then eventually they make it, and then if they're too young, they're going to change because of that. Mm. But some of the best comedians, like Bill Burr, he's, I mean, he, he kind of hit, he, got, he kind of blew up later on in his life, mm. and so he's maybe retained some of his, you know, his, uh, his character because of that, I think. Mm. Um, but uh, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Um, like Rodney Dangerfield was always funny until he died, and that's because he was like a plumber or something. I don't remember what he was, but he was in trades. You know Rodney Dangerfield? No, but this I I didn't know that there was a plumber turned comedian. That's awesome. <laughs> there's Are like you kidding there's, me? That's so yeah, cool. it's like completely random. I, I mean, I, no, I mean like dude, everybody that we work with could be a, Dan could our our boss, we, Chef Dan, he's been on this podcast. We he could be a comedian, and he would do extremely well. He just has to like cultivate that kind of like state. He already has a presence in the kitchen. He's very animated, and he yeah. could do that on a stage. Sure. So then, like Ronnie Dangerfield is like, I don't. He has this like really like burly voice, but it's very funny. And and he'd be like, I said this to the guy or something like that. And he tells a story on a stage. It's it's extremely funny. Hmm. Like he's he's the kind of guy who has a lot of like wife jokes, and uh -oh. he kills. He killed all the time when he went on the stage. Like you can do anything, man. You can do anything. Like, in this moment right now, this could turn into something else and you don't even know it. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? I think to it's so much work. It, it's just, like, where are you willing to put the work and the effort and the energy towards? Like, right. the so good you can't ignore you actually comes from uh, Steve Martin, the comedian. Like, that was his advice to aspiring comedians was just be so good they can't ignore you. The problem is it's hard. It's hard work to get to that point. But... Um, have you listened to um, um, Tim Ferriss and who's that other comedian who had the TV show for years? Seinfeld. Seinfeld was on Tim Ferriss? Yeah. Holy well, crap. 
Yo, Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry? Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld. Wow. Like, I, didn't, I didn't know that. No, oh, yeah. it's a really good one. It's it's very inspiring too, because like Seinfeld has been productive and successful for so long, mm-hmm. and when you ask him how he does it, he's like, and and, and Tim Ferriss asks his like stereotypical or, um, you know the the famous question, which is, if you had a chance to put a, something on a billboard and display it to the whole world, what, what would you put? And Seinfeld put up just work. <laughs> I love that. I feel like that's like that gets to the grit of like what it takes. It's so simple success. because it's like stop making excuses. Yeah, just get to work. Yeah, just you know, work. Every other like advertisement is telling you how to spend your time and your money out of work. You know, like take a vacation, do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, his billboard. <laughs> it'll make you happy. And right. It's like, you put a dollar payment, you'll get this car. <laughs> just go to work. Oh, go to work. It'd be so funny. Right next to like a vacation beach uh, kind of a billboard, you just yeah. have just work. <laughs> I think I like the beach. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. So you're you're gonna so you're in your first year of medical school, med, uh, medical school. Yeah. And you know this is so. Do you want to like? What are your aspirations as far as you know that goes because that's kind of a long road to go down. It's a very long road. Yeah. It's hard, and it's it is hard. There's a lot of commitment, and yeah. But yeah, once you get out, there's so many options for you. Well, there's so many options, but you like limit yourself to one, right? So like once you get out of medical school, you go into residency, and that's anywhere from three to seven years, and you're a baby doctor for three to seven years, and then you become a, a big boy, real boy. Uh, doctor after <laughs> that point right so you're I like, told you right you, you, you come out of medical school and you're like this like little stem cell you can like grow into anything but once you start growing into one thing you're like committed essentially mm-hmm. and, and there are options to like switch um, but generally speaking like once you sign on to an internal medicine or I guess you probably saw ENTs or maybe respiratory once you sign on to that residency you're kind of like locked in and that's what you're going to do. For so you're, you're in medical, medical school. Yeah. So I guess the proper question at this point would not be where do you want to specialize in, but it would be like, what are your kind of like loose interests at this point? I don't know how, how like committed you are yeah. to your interests yet. But yeah. yeah. But um, I actually really liked working with a urologist. I'll back up even a little further. So I went to college for four years. Um, I started working as a scribe. In the ER, do you know what that is or no. not? It's like a, I've heard of it. Scrub, almost. <laughs> I mean, no. you're basically yeah, sure. Um, no, you're, you're just writing the notes for the doctors. What's like, scrub? One of the biggest issues for doctors is you know we go into medicine because we want to have these like face to face conversations with people and we want to help people, right? We want to like you know use our brains to like figure out what's going wrong and solve people's problems and either solve it with medications or with surgery and like this is how we trained for so long and then you hit medicine and it's just like legal obligation insurance obligation administrative obligation. everything else gets in the way yeah why you started and so a lot of medicine now is like typing things into a computer and so that's where like to me like if you go back to like medieval England and how you found what you're going to be right the you would apprentice yourself to a tradesman you would become like the, the tradesmen, uh, the blacksmith's uh, apprentice, mm-hmm. and you'd learn and you'd do all the work. So to me, if we, we, we you know, go forward, like to me, becoming a doctor now is like learning how to do the, the admin stuff, learning how to write a note, learning how the doctor thinks, and then writing so that you're kind of capturing what he thinks. 
Um, and so that to me is what a scribe is. And we, we really help the doctor out because we take out that 50% of time that's spent mm-hmm. just writing notes. <laughs> yeah. You just gave me like an extremely romantic idea. You know how the Jedi's like they they're always going to be teachers. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be they're gonna be students and they're always going to teach at least one student, mm-hmm. right? That's how it should be with like doctors and lawyers. Mm-hmm. And and I I don't know how crazy that sounds because I, I just thought of it. But if it doesn't sound right, please let me know because like I don't see why it's not like that right now. Like we're all going to school yeah. and and you think like we have all these kids and it's like what do we do with them? So we put them in school. It's like maybe we should put them in with like kind of like a personal relationship, hmm. personal professional relationship with people who are highly skilled to teach sure. them. Sure. I think that would be better. I mean, we, we, in some sense, you know, within school, that even exists with student teachers. I mean, I had a student teacher in my Spanish class this year, and um, you know, they worked. She worked alongside my actual Spanish teacher. She took, you know, she did a lot of some of the grading, you know, mm-hmm. and she worked up and did all that stuff and communicated with us some of the time. And, yeah. You know, um, got a good handle of, and I think she's got to do that for a year or two before she gets a full time teaching job. Um, but I mean, within like lawyers and doctors, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think I feel like it feel like it could work because, I mean, you have that student teacher, right? And it's like there's two teachers and there's like 25, 30 students. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not very personal. You know what I mean? That that's that's more like we're here, where two of us are here to teach all of you, and we can't focus on all of you. We have to focus on all of you equally, and it's all a small amount. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it was like five or six students and then one teacher, it's like perfect. Like my my study abroad class, a lot of us are in, in are an independent study, mm-hmm. but we're very eager to ask questions and learn the language. And there's like eight of us in the class mm-hmm. most days, and it's it's worked so much easier because it's not a regular lecture. Like she'll lecture for a little bit. And then we ask questions, and, and then you know, we all, like, we're all very eager to learn this language, because we're all going there. So, like, one of us will ask a question, and then we'll focus on each other's questions. So it's like, it's not just her standing up there and lecturing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, we're all learning from each other, each other's questions, like, being like, oh, isn't, uh, doesn't this word mean this, or something like that, you know what I mean? Like, this class has made me want to... Um, participate more than any other class I've ever had. Hmm. And there could be other reasons for that, but I think that's one of the big ones, that it's more intimate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so interesting. What do, what do you think about the student-to-teacher ratio and how it might affect student success? Hmm. That's a great question. I feel like this goes back to individual responsibility. I feel like the responsibility of success for the student comes down to the student a lot of times and there's the obvious case of like a bad teacher who, no matter how hard you try, right, they're just bad. And, and it's very challenging to succeed. Professor Snape. Professor Snape, right, who's actively trying to get Harry Potter to, to not succeed. Mm-hmm. That, that would be a great counterexample, but... Yeah, that, I mean, that's crazy. That, that's very good. Um, because that, that's like nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, if you could say that with like a kid in the way he's raised, it's like, what's the way you raised or was it just the way he is mm-hmm. and it's like you know with teachers it's like even if it, uh, even if like the 
student to teacher ratio was uh, like whatever eight students to one teacher yeah. and you know the, the teacher was allowed to give very good focus on the kids it's like they still might not have the drive and the will within themselves to, to Correct. succeed Correct. and I mean and I mean it's like you know but if like for for most students for most very well achieving and high achieving students they who you know I mean you know not all college I assume that not all college classes are like you know, one professor with, you know, 130 kids, right. but, you know, maybe one or two classes are like that on your mm -hmm. schedule. There's um, not many of them here. A lot of, like, the, I, I see in the human health building, a lot of the classes in there are like that, with, like, maybe 60, 70 seats. Students, right, like a huge yeah. lecture hall, and, like, mm -hmm. that is, like, your own responsibility to succeed, and I mean, that's why you're at college, is because you want to succeed, and so that's how they might be able to get away with it, right. is by just having, you know, it's just by letting you do your thing. If you want to, if you want to pass, you can pass. If you don't, you don't. <laughs> yeah. like I would love this. Like, like I'm slowly like learning that like, like I actually like attending this university, especially because of the advisors. Like the advisors here are incredible. Hmm. But I would love it so much more. And maybe maybe I could I could somehow impact this. But like I would love it so much more if they just set up like I don't know programs or something of like what we've been talking. It's like five students to one teacher you know what I mean yeah I mean it's, it's resources hard to find exactly. teachers yeah it's like right. really 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 challenging I mean I, if I if I want to be a professor I would love to do that you know that that would be incredible yeah they do have like a, whatever uh, uh, like teacher's assistants that mm -hmm. help do that sometimes I think run like small groups mm -hmm. after after hours or yeah you're right you're right actually um, yeah, there's a lot of that but yeah yeah I, it's yeah hard to I mean, I know for sure, like, with, as far as, uh, like, you know, any form of learning, it's like, even if it's, like, physical education, like, mm -hmm. my weight training class right now is, like, 35 kids, right. and most of them, like, most of us do nothing all hour. There's no, there's no structure to mm -hmm. the, to the class at all. Okay. And, uh, we can kind of do whatever, we just kind of have to be doing something, and, uh, you know, my there's kids that just kind of leave and like do whatever and walk around the school and you know, I mean, with one teacher, it's hard to um, you know fit everybody in along one side, one kind of program. Sure. Um, like, how do you how do you how do you do that well? Yeah, how do you um, like work everybody's needs into one kind of routine? Yeah, it's it's really challenging. Um, but, uh, and then, I mean, that's kind of what, like, learning, too. I mean, generally, when you get into a class, like, everybody's kind of in a different spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. No, I, I learned that even, like, training scribes. Um, I kind of assumed that pre-med students would all be, you know, gung-ho and on top of their game, and or at least attempting to be, right? right. At least attempting to, to be, you know, superstars. Yeah. And then I start training scribes, and I realize that is not the case at all. <laughs> Like everybody's approaching that that training that they had to undergo with me from a totally different place. Like some people just cheated their way through the the prerequisite um, training that we gave them because it was online. You can just Google stuff. I was like, oh, okay, you don't you don't know what you know this you word means. <laughs> All right, we're we're gonna you're gonna learn real quick. <laughs> Gary, man, yeah, you're yeah. Qualified. they are the medical people who save us when we are well hurt. I, 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 Let's this back up. This is the scribe. So he, yeah, yeah, all he's going to mess up is your chart. And, like, 
Yeah. yeah. And, and we fired a couple. Like, there were some people <laughs> who, did, who just didn't make the cut. Okay. But I will say, like, um, physicians were tested, like, every year. So, like, I'm constantly in between an exam, and a high-stakes exam. Like, next week, I take my final in respiratory, and I need to study a lot in between now <laughs> to do well. Oh, um, <laughs> and then I have a summer, but it's the last summer of my life. And then after that, it's just, you know, more tests and tests and tests and it doesn't stop like once you graduate you still have to take boards and make sure that you're up to stuff up to snuff and uh can can pass your board exam so like you being seen by a medical practice if they're a doctor they're still going through certifications and trainings they're not they're not a scribe who cheated their way through an online thing. It's not their right. This is kind of like irrational, but I, I, you got to think that maybe sometimes they get through, but I mean, at the same time, it's like if they have exams all the, all those times, uh-huh. there's no way they're getting through those exams every time cheating. Correct. You can't. <laughs> no, it's just, it's like, it's, that was just some stupid it's like ACT thing. or uh, SAT. You guys take ACT, I think, right? I took both. You took so both. So did I, yeah. Okay. Also the MEEP. Okay, I don't even know what that is. Not <laughs> that <laughs> that's really important. It's like a fifth grade, like, <laughs> was that was fifth grade? That we had to take. Oh, yeah, God. Was like elementary school. That was a low case. I didn't wow. realize. It's just like Michigan's, like, evaluation performance okay. test or whatever. I don't know. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like not important at all. <laughs> okay. Neither is the ACT. <laughs> I did really good on my meat. <laughs> Take me college. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to middle school now. I was in 85th percentile when I was in sixth grade. And I took it in high school. <laughs> We're learning about colors. <laughs> As a <laughs> freshman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was, like, starting on... Um, so I started in the ER, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is so cool. This is awesome. Um, and then I started working with a urologist. And so it, at first, I was so adverse to it. I was, I was like, there's no way. I, I don't want anything to do with, you know, that side of medicine. Mm-hmm. And then I got roped in eventually, and I, like, loved it. I loved, like, just chatting with older gentlemen about... Their difficulties urinating, their difficulties with erectile function. Because when they become confident with it, it's like, it's, it's, it's a sight to see because like not many people are very confident about that stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, I guess it can be very fulfilling, right? Or, correct. Well, you make people happy. And that, yeah. that's like something in medicine I, I guess I hadn't seen before. But like you have a chance, like with kidney stones, someone's in real agonizing pain. Like I've seen guys who are like seven foot tall, so buff just bent over from yeah. from kidney stone pain. And with a urologist, you're a surgeon, you just go in, you, you go up with a scope, and you knock out the stone, and like instantly the guy is better. And it's the same thing with um, you know a lot of the urination issues and a lot of the sexual function issues. Like There's just so many medications. There's so many surgeries after the medication, so many procedures, that you can really get someone to where they want to be um, it just depends on how far they're willing to go. Hmm. Yeah. So you can cut this out, but like for erectile function, for instance, you start with like medications. Like everyone knows about Viagra, um, Sildenafil. Um, there, there's just a ton of medications that you take. After that, you go to penile injections. You wouldn't think that needle and penis would be in the same sentence, but uh, you know if you if if that's the that's way you want to go. Uh, 
uh, you can do that. There's vacuum pumps. There is, and then finally, if if you if everything else fails, you can do a penile prosthesis. So you actually insert a pump into the penis, and you can mechanically um, get an erection from that. Like one of those like blood pressure things. You yeah, but well, it's, actually, <laughs> it's in the scrotum. It's in the scrotum, right? So and oh, then you just you you wow. um, you pump it, and you know. Do you really you want have, this cut out? You don't have. I think no, 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 I was just saying. We, we have like. I mean, if if we didn't want it on our okay, podcast, okay. I mean, I think people would. But this is fun. We don't. We, okay. Yeah, we. It's we we usually cut out stuff that we say like about people that might be. Oh, yeah, like, offended. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Like yeah, like sure. or like pe- people like that work at our. At <laughs> we make jokes and then they they get all like <laughs> personal. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Okay. okay. So made a joke about me on a podcast. I'd be like, "Was it funny?" <laughs> like you know, that's it. Shoot. But, so well, that's, that's yeah, that's interesting. That's rewarding. Yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, the chance to like use your brain to uh, prescribe medications and then to use your skills in surgery to provide procedures for people. Um, to, to, to really help them. I mean, I think that's, that's gotta be where it's at, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I worked with a guy who specialized in cancer of the urinary tract. And that, that to me was so interesting because it's so complex. So like, I, I personally really like prostate cancer. Um, prostate cancer is something we all will get like mm-hmm. every man, hundred percent of men, but if they live long enough, we'll have prostate cancer. But very few men die from prostate cancer. Do you see that distinction? Is it not very dangerous or is it easily treatable? Well, it cancer's very variable, right? There's it's so heterogeneous, there's so many different kinds. Most prostate cancer is just very slow growing. It's something that will kill you in ten years. So if you're seventy and you have prostate cancer and it's new, it might kill you, sure, but it's like ten years, twenty years, and by that point you're dead from other causes, right? Yeah. So you wouldn't need to treat it. Not all that bad at 70. Uh-huh. But then if you have a guy who's 50 and right. he's diagnosed with a high-grade prostate cancer, well, you want to treat it, right? Because he's 50, his life expectancy is however long, um, and he's got a prostate cancer that will kill him in, sure, 10 years, but he's going to be 60, he's still going to be alive. Mm. So uh, I'm just trying to like give you guys a sense of it's, it's complex. It's very nuanced. Yeah. And so, like, the conversations that I watched him have with people were so complex, and they were so nuanced. It was a lot of math and numbers, but he would simplify it down for people, and he'd, like, make little charts for them. Like, I as a scribe would do nomograms, so I'd calculate people's life expectancy and also their risk of death from prostate cancer. And then we put the the chart on the screen. It was made to be pretty understandable. Um, And then we just talked through it. And people, a lot of times, would make their own decision about their treatment. Um which I thought was really cool. Like you put the power in a sense in the hands of the patient because there are so many options that you can choose that are good. So I love the complex, I kind of fell in love with the complexity of that um, as well as the chance to just make people happy. Sure. And also I like talking to dudes. Yeah. And it's predominantly a lot of male patients, at least in his his particular practice. Fascinating. That's that's really cool. Yeah, there's so many different tracks you can go down as a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you you do you ever like dream of uh, like owning your own practice or is that mm-hmm. something that would happen with with urology is that common mm-hmm. that's a great question um, you're asking like from the entrepreneur perspective sure well is there any kind of like spirit entrepreneur spirit like within you or, or oh like how many 
hours like once you become a doctor and all that like because i've kind of you know generally hear that like doctors work crazy hours yeah they do and uh you know it's a pretty stressful job Mm -hmm. um but like with urology i know like some certain fields like tend to be sometimes a little less crazy sometimes a little more depends like where you work yeah work at a hospital if you have your own practice yeah that's a great question um urology is known to be pretty pretty good in a sense like you can kind of do an eight to five kind of job except for when you're on call of course because it's surgery and so you're going to be on call and so you could be called in at two in the morning or three in the morning whenever the patient needs like a kidney stone surgery Mm. um it's known to be uh, a specialty a surgical specialty that is on the better end of the spectrum when it comes to how many hours you have to work but um I know myself and I know that I, I like working. Okay. <laughs> and so a lot of medicine, as with all of life, it just comes down to what you make of it. Yeah. And so I'm sure I'll work more hours than I need to. But just work. Yeah. Just work. Just work. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. There's nothing bad about that. I mean, mm-hmm. especially that's something that's meaningful. I mean, right. It's not like you're uh, you're moving around, you know, investments and on a computer screen just moving on, <laughs> around. Sure. All day, right. <laughs> generating all this Making money. the people, the you rich people, more rich. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Cool. Yeah. This is the entrepreneurship and the, the med school. Oh yeah. Oh, and you asked about whether I'd own my own practice. Um, honestly, probably not. The way medicine's going is that there's just giants in the field. So like, Beaumont, for instance, is merging with Spectrum, and that's going to be a huge hospital system. And they kind of like eat up smaller Small practices. Um, Interesting. And so I, I would probably just be like a hospital affiliated group. Um, I don't know if I, I, I'd have to have a really compelling reason to. Right. Maybe you, could, maybe you could run a practice in Beaumont or like, I don't know, Henry Ford or something. Was that what you were saying, like an affiliate kind of group? Yeah. Usually there's oh. pre-existing practices and then you just hire on if they, if they need you. Okay. Um, but you're, you're right. You can make your own practice. It's more work. It's more headache. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're responsible then for all the administrative stuff, insurance, you know, finding yeah. um, surgical facilities and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I'd want that extra all headache. Yeah. You do make more money, but I'm not sure that that's worth the completely. Effort. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's always cool to see where people are going with their careers and everything like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. And Andrew's uh, future fascinates me, and now okay. yours does. Okay. Yeah. You have this, like, this kind of, like, demeanor of okay. a doctor. Right. L- l- like, you know... You're very articulate. Yeah, nice. yeah. You're very articulate. You have a very welcoming voice, and you're like... You ever read of Mice and Men? Yeah. You're like, like Slim. Back. Okay. You're like Slim, because Slim was very... Um, you could tell Slim anything, and, and he had this confident kind of um, atmosphere around him, and George felt very confident and that he would not go and tell anybody. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, his things were safe with Slim. Mm. You're like, you're kind of like that guy. Okay. And that's that's a very good um, demeanor for a doctor to have. That's that's good to hear. <laughs> and just a person, you know what I mean? Just yeah. a good person. Thanks. A real boy. 
A real boy. <laughs> We're all ready to become a real boy. I know of all the compliments you just heaped on me, that was definitely the highest. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know coming from you. <laughs> the idea is to be a real boy, Josh. It's <laughs> awesome. What What is your... Now I'm curious. You just intrigued me. So Andrew, um, he he took this book very seriously. And, okay. Uh, because he's been taking it seriously, I've been taking it seriously. Because I've seen what it can do to a sure. person. Sure. But he is, he's not going to share it, but he's got some business ideas. Oh, okay. And he, uh, he was actually going to come to Italy with me this summer mm. and he decided, no, he's going to start a business this summer. Okay. And that, see, that's what really makes me interested in your present and future. Trajectory. Because instead of going on vacation, you're like, why don't I put together Just work? <laughs> just work and then <laughs> you don't want to be a workaholic no no I don't but no, this, uh, but his idea is like I I am going to find a way to make money hmm. so that I can go on all the vacations I want that's, that's and, great which is kind of like the idea behind you know the four hour work week it's yeah. just liberate yeah. yourself you know from yeah, yeah, yeah. constantly having to be there and, sure. and provide services but um yeah no I, I had all these I, i've always had these dreams of going out and doing uh like having crazy trips and you know doing uh all these things that you would need a lot of time away from work to do mm. you know and working like an hourly job like the one that i work now i can ask for like two or three months off no problem mm. but like if if I'm paid, you know, like with a salary and like yearly, and like the company's depending on me yeah. to be, you know, successful or effective. Like, if I have a little piece in that, it's like, if I'm not as easily replaceable as a, as I am as a dishwasher, it's like, oh, wow. I can't, okay. I can't so like easily just take off three months of work. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And like still, uh, with just without pay. I mean, like my my brother's an engineer. You can't yeah. just, you cannot just like not go to work. Sure. For, you know, even if he accepts no pay. Right. So the idea is like, okay, well, you know, people typically section out like one or two weeks throughout a year to kind of do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only other occupation is like maybe if you're a teacher, you got a few months to do that during the summer. But mm-hmm. I mean, there that is kind of cut off because typically your your right. income is, is much lower. But um, before our work week, it's like creating streams of income to know, support you to support you while you're doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, he does through uh, business, like online businesses mostly. And then once you've kind of create stable income through that, um, you know, little hacks here and there can, can help, you know, let you yeah. just do your, do whatever it is you want. Okay. Uh, like your dreams. And, sure. Um, there's something intimidating to me about that in a way where it's like, okay, well, you can do whatever you want. Right. But it's like, well, you do what you want and, uh, and then you come back to it. Like, People have typically like people have this like end all be all retirement that mm-hmm. they that they save for they save everything yeah. for yeah yeah and it's like once you get there it's like you really kind of gotta keep doing something right or you um, have a stroke because you're you're not doing anything you just you're, worked for, yeah. <laughs> for years yeah but if you oh, what he does is he takes like mini, mini retirements where yes yeah yeah you know he'll go out you know for a few months do whatever it is he pleases and then come back to work and make sure everything's running okay and. Mm. I mean, it's hard for, I'm not going to give all summary of the book and what he does, but. I've read the book, right? Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Or I've listened to it through audiobooks. So. Fantastic. Well, I thought you said you read one of his, one of his other, like, four-hour books. Oh, uh, I, I think I, I've read part of other books. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Fantastic. So, so you know, I mean, I, I will say that I don't like some of the things, like some of his business practices may not be unconventional, ethical. Like, yeah, not ethical either. Oh, right. you, the one, but, the one with the uh, oh, out hiring like that was pretty controversial. Yeah, is it hiring? Oh, I, I well, like outsourcing to virtual assistants. Yeah, you know, but that's yeah, controversial. Yeah, I mean, like it's you know people say like throwing all of your work on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 It's like yeah. You know, <laughs> That's, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. I was reading that. I was like, he sounds like kind of like a dick. <laughs> but I mean, you know, especially when, when he's like, he's like, business meetings are only for information, no friendship, nothing. <laughs> you know, it's and he's like, he's he developed this strategy just for that. Yeah, and, and it's like, dude, don't don't call me. Don't if you cannot, uh, your email has to be like. Give me everything <laughs> that you need to know about what the question in one email. I don't want to hear it across. No BS. Yeah. yeah, I do all my emails within two hours of the day. You're not worth my time. Yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> oh, that's my alarm going off. Oh, we got a minute. Oh yeah, five minutes fifty here. Oh, okay, we gotta wrap this thing up. Yeah. Um, so this turned out. Like, just as I thought, but ten times better. I knew you guys would really hit it off. Like, I, I really knew it. Yeah. And uh, th this is a really good podcast, man. Yeah. Like, this one I'll be listening to for a while, because there's so many good things that were talked about here. You're you're a very different person that we have on this, this podcast. Yeah. yeah. We just kind of interview people that we, we already know pretty mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. that we want on, but... Our friend Ben would love you, dude. Cool. We gotta get a podcast with the four of us. Sure. Yeah. Um, I know you're going to Italy soon, but yeah, he's going to be right. back in whatever mid July and, mm -hmm. and everything. So you'll have a lot to talk about then. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and like you said, this summer will be your, your last. The last, yeah, the kind last summer last. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Um, <laughs> that sounded weird. Like this summer will be your last. <laughs> he's going off to a different planet where there's no summers. <laughs> he's going to Trabalfador. <laughs> All right, we gotta wrap this yes, up. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, guys, it was a pleasure. If you want me back, I'm, I make time for it. This is fun. <laughs> anytime, man. Anytime. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm right. gonna go pick up the phone and. Yeah, episode twenty-four. Thanks for listening. Talk good night and good luck. <laughs>